0: we'll we'll, we'll get through I'll just reach spitting distance of John and we can go let's just open in prayer Father God thank you so much that you are our God and that you are the God who calls us to be your people one people under you Father as we explore what, what you have written to us through your Apostle Paul, we, we just pray that we would take it to heart, take it to mind and take it into our lives. Amen. Yesterday at the um, half day of prayer, we kicked off the day Reg, Reg started us praying about our church and, and he, he shared with us the prayer from John chapter 17. If you've got your your Bibles there, just just turn over there. Keep your fingers in Ephesians. John chapter 17 is it's a beautiful, beautiful passage. Uh, it, it's actually the prayer where Jesus prays for his disciples, and 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 then he prays for you and I sitting here today, those who have believed their message. But 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 something that struck me is is what Jesus prays right towards the end there. Um, Verse 20 to 23, he says, My prayer is not for them alone, not for my disciples here alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father. Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, and that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity, to let the world know that you sent me and to let the world know that you have loved them, even as you have loved me. This morning, we're, as we said, we're moving on and we're doing week two of our series looking at at the greatest peacemaker ever and and, 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 and what... That means for us. I mean, Jesus, the, the one who came to, to reconcile us to God, and we've remembered that this morning uh, through communion. How God came and said, I will make peace with you because of my great love for you. And today what we see is that when Jesus came and made peace with each and every one of us, He has united us together as the one Church. The one people who have the one faith in the one Lord. That's why Jesus prayed that that we would be brought to complete unity. So that the world would look at us and, and see this united group of people and would know who Jesus is. And would know what God's love has done for us. This, this idea of unity is one that, that, that it, it really goes throughout the whole of the New Testament and the Old Testament. It's just such a strong idea. Pub quiz information for you. Anyone here go to pub quizzes? Oh, well. Quiz information for you. I don't know why pub quizzes would have information on Paul's letters. But uh, in all of Paul's writings, although he speaks of unity so much, he only uses the word twice. And it's in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3 and Ephesians chapter 4 verse 13. I don't know why you need to know that. It's just a, a cool fact. But, but here in this chapter I mean this, this is the unity chapter that Paul is writing and he's going in and he's saying what does it look like? What does it mean? How do we, how do we take this unity and live it out in the church today? I'm an inveterate listener to AM radio um, when I'm in my car. And I heard over the last fortnight or so that, believe it or not, the Olympic Games is only two years away. Uh, Personally, I, I don't really care for the Olympic Games part of the Olympic Games. But isn't it fun to watch that opening ceremony? where all the different nations are coming in with their flags in front of them and, and walking into the stadium. And you know that the whole of their country, the whole of their community is, is, is egging them on and they're behind them and they're united behind this team that, that is taking them to the Olympics. You know, even that, that, that great example of unity is just a shadow of a shadow of a shadow of the unity that we have in Christ. It's a shadow of the unity that Jesus prayed over us, His church. I mean, the Olympics, the country is behind the team, but, but we are united as a family. We are, we, are, we are members of God's family. We are in God and God is in us. And I think the first thing we have to say from from Ephesians chapter 4 is that this unity which is so important in the church is not actually something that we can make for ourselves. Uh, Take a look at what Paul says in Ephesians 4 verse 3. He says, um, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I mean, Paul doesn't write, Make every effort to make sure you have peace and unity. Paul says make every effort to to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The unity of the church is a unity of the Spirit. It's, it's, It's a unity that's given to us by the Father through the Spirit because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And I believe that, that one of the main roles of the Holy Spirit is always only to, to point us to Jesus. Jesus himself says in, in John chapter 16, uh, verse uh, 26, Jesus says uh, about the Holy Spirit, um, not 26, I lie. I miswrote down the reference. Jesus himself says, says that the Holy Spirit will direct our attention back onto Jesus. Which means that, if you follow my logic here, if our unity is of the Spirit, then our unity as Christians is centered around Jesus Christ. It is centered around His cross. I mean, that, that, that just makes sense to me. When we exist as a church because of what Jesus has done. We 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 are members of the church as individual Christians because of of the bond of peace that was signed with the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And, And as Christians, we've all been given the Holy Spirit of God who takes up residence in our lives and works to make us be like Jesus and works to make us peacemakers like Jesus and brings unity into His church. Individually, we are directly united with God. It's what Jesus prayed. It's what Paul says. And and through our union with God in Christ, we are linked and joined and united to one another. Jesus prayed that we would be completely united. Paul says that we need to to make every effort to, to keep the unity of the Spirit, but how do we do that? How do we keep the unity of the Spirit? How do we, how do we maintain this, this unity that, that, that God puts over the church? I think we have to go to verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 4 for something of the answer. Paul says, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. if we are to maintain unity in in our church, in in, in the worldwide church, we need to to be living our lives worthily of the calling that we have received. I mean, God has come to each and every one of us and said, I will be your friend. Isn't that just an amazing thought? I will be your friend, says God. And God says, uh, Paul says over here, we need, to, we need to live out of that. If God says, I am your friend, you are my children, we need to live as friends of God, as children of God. As those who have been called, who have been rescued out of darkness in, and brought into the kingdom of glorious light. And Paul says, let, let what God has done for you as an individual be the backdrop for all of your life and all the decisions and and all the things that you do, just take what God has done and and His calling of you and, and make the rest of your life be a thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You are good. I will make that the purpose of my life. I mean, imagine you were blinded. And Steve came and he poked a stick in your eyes and you couldn't see. I don't think he'd do that really. Maybe Karen. (laughs) So we're talking about unity and peace today. Imagine somebody blinded you. And then a miracle happened and your sight came back. You closed your eyes. You walked around. and You fumbled and you bumped into things and you stubbed your toe. I mean, if, if your sight is restored to you, you open your eyes. You live out of that gift that has been given to you. You, you don't carry on as if nothing has happened. I mean, what greater gift than, than life? It says, Paul, live out of that gift. Live in response to that gift live out of your relationship with Jesus, out, out of His grace, out of the calling on you. Because the thing is, uh, says Paul in verses 4-6 of Ephesians chapter 4, uh, our unity is not so much about our being united. Our unity as Christians is about sharing union with God. I mean, verses 4 and 6, those those three verses are are all about the unity of God, the oneness of God that has come and embraced us. I mean, verse 4, Paul says, there is one body, the church, there is one spirit, uh, uh, the spirit that is in us, in the church, and and we know this because we have all been called to the one hope. And he goes on, verse 5, and he says, look, there's one Lord, Jesus Christ. And there's one faith, faith in Jesus Christ. And there's one baptism dying and being raised in the death of Jesus Christ. Verse 6 there is one God and Father who is above all and through all and in all. And I'm not going to go into the whole Trinitarian theology here. We don't have enough hours in the day. But the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit are one. They have this perfect unity that they, they cannot be divided. God is, has been, always will be one. And the church of Jesus Christ is united because it is the church of the united God. The church has unity because God is a united, one God. And as much as God can never stop being one, the unity of the church can never ever be broken. Good theology. Church can never be broken. The church can never be ununited. The, the church can never have discord and and disharmony and conflict. I must have been going to the wrong places all these Sundays. How is it possible for us to say on one hand that the church of God can never be divided, is always united because it belongs to the united God, and yet we come and so often there are divisions in the church and we have denominations splitting up and, and like the video has showed that we showed during the, uh, the, the offering, all these different things that, that, that we divide on. And I think that's why Paul tells us in, in verse 3 that we need to, to make every effort to to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I think what Paul is telling us, we need to, to keep in in our day-to-day, everyday lives and relationships with each other, in the church, in the home, at work, whatever. We We need to live out the spiritual reality that we are united under Christ and put that into practice. As far as God is concerned, there is only one faith, one hope, one church. On that day when Jesus returns, we will all, Be standing before Him. There's not going to be Baptists to the left, Anglicans to the right, people who like loud music, you can go over there, people who prefer Bach, you can go over there. We'll just be there and God will look at us and Jesus will say, My people, My one people, united because they all belong to Me. I mean, that's a spiritual reality. In Christ, we are one. We are united. And the challenge for us is, is to live lives that are worthy of that reality, worthy of our calling, says Paul in verse 1. I mean, we have the same Lord. We've we believed the same gospel, we've experienced the same being baptized into the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. For goodness sake, let's live out that oneness and that sameness. And yes, it it might be hard. If it was an easy thing, Paul would not say make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit. It wouldn't have been right up there at the climax of Jesus' prayer. Lord, may they be completely united if it was an easy thing. So how do we do it? How do we put into into everyday practice the reality of Christ? Chapter 4, verse 2. We copy Jesus. We let the Spirit of God who is in us, working us, and renovate our lives and our character and our personalities. Making us like Jesus. I mean, verse 2 says Paul be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort. And isn't that a description of Jesus? Be humble. Philippians 2, Christ who humbled himself even to death. Isn't it true that Jesus treats us so gently? Isn't it true that he is so patient with us when we muck up time and again and he bears with us and he works with us Bears with us out of love and bore for us out of love. I mean, if we were as individuals were like that, we're like Jesus, I dare there to be disunity in the church. Our church, the church, any church. I mean, yes, there will be frustrations and disagreements and, and we'll have to do a fair amount of putting up with each other's idiosyncrasies. But we do it out of love for God and, and for each other because, because we are like Jesus in that regard. And, and you know, the thing is, being united like this doesn't mean that we are, we are all the same. The World Cup was a pain to watch because of those vuvuzelas waiting for them to come into the worship service. I mean, there, there was no unity. Anyone could start blowing at any time, but it was just one uniform sound. It was awful. You know, the amazing thing of the church of God is that He says you are united, but but, but it's more like a choir. And, And some of you are singing soprano and some of you are singing tenor and some of you are singing alto and and you've all got your different parts that you're going to sing and it's going to come together and it's going to be a marvelous harmony got a video which I'll I'll play during morning tea it, it's an internet sensation uh, 200 odd maybe 300 odd people all sitting in front of their computer with their webcams by themselves singing a song and they bring it all together and they put them all on the same track and it is just the most beautiful choir. Harmony, because they were singing the same tune. They were following the same conductor. And the unity of the church is a beautiful sound. And that's, that's what verses 7 to 10 are all, are all on about. I mean, we've, we've been given grace by God and that has united us but but we've been given gifts which adds the harmony to the church. And Paul gives five examples of apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors. There's only a few of the gifts that we've been given in the church. But, but all of these gifts are given so that we would serve the church, so that we would grow in unity And the end goal is verse 13. So that we will reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I want to finish by playing you the, just three minutes, the second half of that video. Bear with me.
1: I beg you to create a new Lord, I beg you to create a new heart within me. unity refers to a relation of all the parts or elements of a work, constituting a harmonious whole and producing a single general effect. What if we could see our lives as a work of art? What if we looked at each other, not as a certain denomination, but as a different element one single word? What if we stopped arguing over worship styles and acknowledged we are each a different chapter in a single story about something so much bigger? What if we stood together, united in love, and realized the beauty of all creatures worshiping the one and only God? Is it possible that the Holy Spirit can work his creative power to unite through the bond of peace those who have previously been divided am I willing to allow myself to look beyond my personal agenda to see the work of art God is creating with all of us through the spirit because there is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord One faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all.